0: Are our suppliers or vendors considered our friends or enemy? And do we select vendors on price alone? The answers to these questions will determine the fate of our organization for how effective we are in providing our goods or services to our customers. We need to unceasingly expand the scope of our continuous improvement initiatives outside of just improvements made on the shop floor. This is what I have termed before as myopic lean. When our view is clouded by Myopic Lean, we forget that our organization supply chain is a system. It is critical when we embark on our continuous improvement journey to streamline the interfaces between our suppliers, organization, and our customers. My hope is that this series of the 13 laws of system optimization will help give us a larger and all-encompassing perspective to help take us to the next level, from a traditional lean manufacturing training. Welcome back, my friends. I am Hayden Barker from Continuous Improvement Journey, where we help you take continuous improvement to the next level so you can destroy your organization's status quo, devastate your competitors, and fuel revolutionary innovation. I want to thank all of you that you have listened to our podcast so far. I'm excited to join with you as we travel along our continuous improvement journey. Now. Let's dive into our topic for this week on the fifth law, of the 13 laws of system optimization by discussing the law of supplier relations. Let me provide some introductory context about our suppliers. Our suppliers are not sitting around waiting for our orders to come in. Most likely they have 10 to 100 other customers like you that are competing for their products or services. In some cases, you might be a small fish compared to your vendor's other customers. So what do we do to build a robust and long-lasting relationship with our suppliers? Well, we have a few options. For our first option, we can treat our suppliers like they are incompetent and are someone to push around to get what we want, according to our dictator-type leadership style. We should always demand lower prices, higher quality, and higher on-time delivery percentages from our suppliers in these cases. And whenever a supplier does not get what we want, we throw tantrums over the phone and visit their facility to have a heart-to-heart talk about our demands they must satisfy. As Demis' option sounds, unfortunately many organizations treat their suppliers like this, and they feel that this is an uh, appropriate business model to have. Well, let's try to have that same brand of relationship with a spouse, partner, friend, or family member, and see how that relationship lasts in the long term. The answer is, this type of relationship is one-sided, demanding, and suffers from short-term thinking. The second option is another viable option many organizations take by selecting suppliers simply on price alone. At face value, this seems like a great win to shop around for the cheapest product or service, but in the end, from a system-thinking point of view, we receive inferior products and services in return. Just like the time when I purchased the cheapest brake pads for my old commuter car that I had at the time, I ended up having to file down the ends of the brake pads so they could fit, and what ended up happening was that they would rub and squeak as the wheel would turn. What I chose was inferior quality and a good learning experience. When it comes to critical safety components like, you know, the car brakes and tires, is there ever a time that this short term thinking and cost savings ever works out that really saves us money in the long run? From my experience, it doesn't ever work out. For a third option, we can choose to do something that a few organizations work towards, which is to build a robust, long-term relations with our suppliers. Like any good thing in life that produces long-term results, it requires time and resources up front. However, what profitable outcomes and partnerships don't come without hard work and determination? In the long term, these efforts will pay off many times over in cost savings, headaches, and disappointments. Part of this third option will require us to work hand in hand with our suppliers and will require that we dedicate individuals from our organizations to spend weeks, months, or even years at our vendor's facility helping them out with continuous improvement initiatives. Why would any organization want to pay for some of their own employees to help out their suppliers' organizations? Well, organizations like Honda and Toyota with this type of supplier-relation mindset, have been able to build understanding, trust, and robust long-lasting relationships with their suppliers. If this third option is not already crazy enough for you, let me go a little further to discuss the benefits of moving towards single-source suppliers. In W. Edwards Deming's book, Out of the Crisis, in the section about his 14 points for management, In one of his 14 points, he strongly suggested that we end the practice of awarding business on the basis of price alone. Instead, we should move towards a single supplier when purchasing goods and services while building long-term relationships of loyalty and trust. First, let's break down our initial shock reaction of what Deming suggested we do and what he meant by awarding business on price alone. And then we'll talk about single source suppliers. Well, that might be a little shock for many. The statistician and predecessor to Deming was Walter Schuart, and in Schuart's book, Economic Control of Quality of Manufactured Product, he said, price has no meaning without a measure of the quality being purchased. So, in other words, if we simply only focus on the lowest price, what we will actually get is the highest total costs and the lowest quality. When we select our vendors simply because they are the lowest cost, what you get is inferior goods or services just like I talked about when I purchased the cheapest brakes for my old commuter car. Now let's move back to Deming's second point of moving towards single suppliers. Single source suppliers seem like a risky decision to make. So why should we even accept this risk or even listen to Deming? What if our single supplier's building burns to the ground? What will we do then? Why not require having two or more suppliers? Well, what experiences have you had in managing multiple suppliers for the same part and when you change between suppliers in the middle of production? Yes, the parts are supposed to be the same, the dimensions and specifications are the same, but lot to lot variation from a single vendor is a reality. The variation between vendor to vendor is even greater. Costly changeovers, readjustments, and quality issues are bound to spring up when switching from vendor to vendor. When we add up all the total costs of sourcing from multiple suppliers, it may be not worth the hassle, time, and money. In theory, it seems safer and less risk, but reality always wins once we move towards our theorized plans that have a hard time materializing in the world of reality. More important than price is your vendor's capability of carrying out ongoing continuous improvement efforts to increase quality and increase their profit margins while at the same time keeping the same price for you or over time lowering the price of the good or services they are offering you. More important than price is your vendor's capability of carrying out ongoing continuous improvement efforts to increase quality and increase their profit margins while At the same time, keeping the same price for you, or over time, lowering the price of the goods or services they are offering you. The problem we have is that most of our supplier relations are considered short-term from both parties. If relations are considered short-term or one-sided, then what incentives do our suppliers have to improve or bend over backwards for our organization? I would say that there are no incentives from your supplier to put forth extra effort for you and your organization. Toyota and Honda have set high standards for their suppliers, but they go the extra mile to help their suppliers fulfill those expectations instead of sitting in their offices yelling at their suppliers to lower costs while demanding higher quality. It is good to have high standards and expectations, but we should also help our suppliers fulfill. Those expectations. Once you get your great relationship started with your supplier, don't take a hands off approach from then on. Constant contact with your supplier is such importance. Don't send annual or no report cards at all, as most organizations do. Send your suppliers monthly reports, just like you expect from your organization about receiving your own monthly financial and production reports. Typical supplier report cards have sections on on on-time delivery, quality, quantities delivered, an ongoing history of performance, countermeasures implemented, and some comments of concern, encouragement, or thanks. Now let's go back to the elephant in the room. Why should you send employees from your organization to work hand-in-hand with your suppliers on a continual basis? Well, for any long-lasting and trust-building relationship. The time and the quality of time that you spend together is one of the best catalysts to help build robust supplier relations. Instead of yelling and throwing tantrums, we should calmly take our supplier's problems seriously by helping them remotely with their problem-solving process to uncover any root causes. Then, with that supplier, develop detailed corrective action plans to resolve the root causes identified. If you find that your suppliers are not able to identify root causes, then you need to immediately send a support team to help your supplier. Doing so does not mean you're taking over where the supplier is rendered dependent on you. You should not do everything for them, but you should be equal partners in supporting them in identifying root causes and coming up with corrective actions. Again, this may seem excessive, but what long-term and unknowable cost savings relationships, and improvements can be made between your organization and your suppliers. Now for some parting thoughts and questions to ask yourself or things to look for when evaluating your current relationship with your suppliers or building new supplier relationships. Is there a disconnection between the supplier accepting the ability to make the goods as promised and their on-time delivery exactness and quality of work? Don't take a new vendor's promises at face value. Do your research, visit their facility, and obtain data from their quality and on-time delivery metrics. Because what's going on is they might be really desperate and they'll just say, yes, we can make that. When you get into it and they actually do make it, it takes twice as much time and costs. When you visit your suppliers, is their production area, their tools, and machines clean and organized? Or does their production area look like complete chaos? If it looks like chaos, then that is what you'll get from your supplier in terms of quality and on-time delivery. What does their inventory system look like? Again, is it clean, organized, and do they have a healthy amount of inventory around? Do they operate with a Kanban system? Do they offer to send small incomplete shipments instead of waiting around for the whole shipment to be finished before it can be shipped? How often can they ship? Is it possible to ship on a daily or at least a weekly basis? As we embark on our continuous improvement journey to streamline the interfaces between our suppliers, organization, and our customers, we will be able to build lasting and robust relationships with our suppliers. Thanks again, my friend, for listening, and we'll catch back up with you again in the next episode.